Is everybody in? Is everybody in? The show is about to begin. Welcome to another episode of Concerts That Made Us. I'm your host Brian and as always, find us and follow us on social media. Just search for Concerts That Made Us podcast. Rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps the show grow. Subscribe to us on Spotify, YouTube and your pod player of choice. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash Concerts That Made Us. Now that that's out of the way, my guest this week is Six Time Losers. Described as the band that country music didn't know it needed, they are intricate, organic and genuine. They are who they are, infectious with a distinct sound that creates diehard fans. I really had a great time chatting with the guys and I know you're going to like it. So after this episode, be sure to check out their latest album, Only First Names Die. Now, without further ado, let's get on with the show.
You're very welcome to concerts that made us. How's it going? Good. Hey, howdy. Good afternoon. You're all uh, you're all doing well anyway. Oh yeah, as well as we can go. <laughs> good, good, good. So, do you want to give yourselves a, a bit of an introduction there? Well, I'm Butch. Uh, I sing, play a little guitar, and Six Time Losers. I'm Lester. I sing even less, play some lead guitar. Um, Otis Lee, uh, play bass, do a little singing as well. Great, great. I love that intro. I play, I sing even less. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, before we get into it, we heard your song East Coast Railway open the show there. Would you like to tell us a bit about it? Um, that's a uh, that's a track that our our good friend, our late friend Weston Williams wrote. Uh, I know that um, you know we're all we're all kind of growing up, uh, running businesses, running families, that kind of stuff. The band hasn't been as active uh, in the last few years uh, as in other years. Uh, Miller and uh, Weston had gotten together a few times and were working on working on some tracks, and that was one that that Weston had uh, had really been working on uh, since his passing. We just wanted to find a way to to honor him, and definitely wanted to include that on the on the record. And it's a it's a track that just really speaks volumes. Uh, I think uh, not just to that particular situation, but just to matters and issues that we all face in our everyday life, and with the pressures of pressures of life, and with mental health being a being a topic of concern and a topic of conversation uh, more so today than ever. Uh, thankfully, we just wanted to, you know, it's multi-level, but we wanted to get that track out there. 
And it's also a banging track as well. <laughs> <laughs> That's also a, an important side of it. Yeah. Um, Weston and I had gotten together for like a co-write and we each brought one song. We didn't like tell each other beforehand or anything. We we both showed up with what is essentially a, a train song, I guess. And um, his was way better than mine. So like we just kind of pushed mine to the side. And, <laughs> and uh, yeah, I mean, after after he passed away, we just... When, as we're getting into making this album, we were trying to, you know, figure a way out to honor him. And we just figured recording this song, the song that he wrote while yeah. I was a member of the band was the best thing we could do to, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Get his work out there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be he'd be very happy with how it, how it turned out. Yeah, we sure hope so. So uh, would you like to tell us a bit of history about yourselves, how you got together, formed a band and about the early days of six time losers. Well, my mother met my father. That's a bit. Too, yeah. I mean, it, it goes back almost that far though. I mean, honestly, uh, you know, the, the three of us here have all been playing in bands together in some capacity since high school. I mean, Lester and I, I think we started our first band when we were in what, like fifth grade or something. We had a, we we had a couple of rehearsals. I don't think we ever played any shows, but I mean, <laughs> no, we didn't get very far. But the the seed was planted. But yeah, um, basically, we've been calling ourselves Six Time Losers since you know 2009. Um, this kind of started as a songwriting project, and then uh, we had so much fun like making the demos and everything, and putting a band together. We were like, well, I mean, these songs are pretty good. Let's just be a band, you know. Kind of, you know, that's a. Uh, where it started from, you know, basically 12 years ago at this point, as far as this iteration of the band. Yeah. yeah. And uh, where did you get the name from? How did you come up with that six time losers? It's, it's very catchy, but it's a, uh, it's an unusual name for a band. It, um, it's, it's a, and honestly, I don't know. I've read it both ways, but it's taken from uh subterranean homesick blues by Bob Dylan. Oh. Uh, and I've read it as users, cheaters, six-time users. He already said users. Come on, people. Um, <laughs> but also users, cheaters, uh, six-time losers. Um, we just always thought that was catchy. We get all kinds of questions about how many times we've been married or been to jail or if it has to do with numbers of people in the band. But no, it's just a throwback to, I know, what I consider you know, one of the greatest songwriters of all time, not the greatest. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of Bob Dylan, I have to ask since he came up, he is one of the the greatest songwriters of all time, but there's always an argument that he's not the best singer. How do you guys feel about it? Uh, different strokes, different folks. I mean, it's, it's tough to say that, hey, th- this person is undeniably the best at anything, mm. especially when there's such a broad spectrum of everything out there. I don't really care to hear Pavarotti do Blowing in the Wind. Yeah, yeah. That's true. But I will get down on some three tenors, you know, I mm. mean, it's just it's kind of it wouldn't wouldn't it be? I mean, I'm sure he'd kill blowing in the wind. Don't get me wrong. But, you know, there's just energy that uh, there's energy that goes to everything. And just I, I feel personally that that every man uh, go to uh, Guthrie, you know, um, just kind of that, that that every man vibe, that every man feeling that uh, is portrayed in the lyrics. It's It's not really i shouldn't say portrayed because that's not a portrayal that's mm. that's the man that's the the accurate 
accurate caricature of the man. So it's just uh, you, you get what you get from people. Yeah, yeah. Personally, I, I I like him. I wouldn't be mad about him. I wouldn't listen to him every day, but every now and again, I throw on one of his records and I do enjoy it. I wouldn't be one of these diehard people that are crazy about him or one of the people that are kind of, oh, he can't sing. He's not a great singer. Because after all, are he we is talking Bob. about Pavarotti or Dylan? <laughs> <laughs> Pavarotti, of course. <laughs> but yeah, no, he's uh, he's obviously he's made it to where he is, you know, so he has he is well able to sing. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think when, um, you know, you've written the uh, caliber of song catalog that Bob Dylan has, you kind of just get the right to sing however you kind of feel like it, you know? Exactly, yeah. <laughs> I actually was, uh, into, I, I was talking to my wife the other day about, I'm a big Billy Joe Shaver fan, and I think as a, because Bob Dylan is a songwriter, all right? Hmm. Um, and Billy Joe Shaver is a, is a songwriter. Um who sings his songs. And I, I, I was listening to a particular track with her the other day and he kind of warbles through parts of it. And purposely you can tell misses some notes, goes a little sharp, a little flat, uh, does some like yodeling tricks, things like mm. that, but um, kind of botches on purpose. And it used to aggravate me. And I, we were talking about it, me and my wife and said, and said you know, I, I think he almost does this to keep, the songwriter aspect of like i'm not a singer i'm not up here singing these songs necessarily i'm giving you my songs i'm presenting these lyrics and this energy and this vibe that i'm trying to present and it kind of it it just it puts the audience in a different spectrum i think yeah yeah protects the image of the songwriter yeah that's uh that's an interesting take on it all right it's um i wonder how many other guys out there like that you know purposely not singing perfect but uh he is one of uh one of the maybe even subconsciously yeah true 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 i uh i must mention as well we have three of you here there are other members of the band who aren't here with us this evening who are who are they uh we got um Deglo red on basically all things steel guitar um he plays the pedal steel does some uh dobro some lap steel um he is probably yeah i guess the the fourth longest tenured member of the band he was part of that uh original band that we set up for that songwriter demo you know Mm. 12 years ago at this point and he's pretty much been you know pretty much been a constant force throughout the the entire time um then we got uh tom pierce on drums he's a as far as Central Florida goes, he's kind of a a, a local legend if, of sorts. He's just, you know, he's, if you're a top-notch country band in Central Florida and you need a top-notch drummer, I think you pretty much just call Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't heard a bad take from him on anything ever, <laughs> ever. Just, it's always, always tight. And then, uh, on saxophone, our uh, newest member of the band, giving us some more uh, lead tones. We got Warren. And, yeah, I mean, I think um, when you're looking for a horn player, I mean, you just, you just, I don't know where else you find one, but uh, we we met him on Craigslist, and he's been great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> right. I wasn't expecting that, I must say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Your last name, too. Um, yeah. Um, I have to say, you all, uh, all come together perfectly. It's a, a great sound. It's hard to pin it down into one one genre almost or it's uh it's hard to listen to you guys and say right they're definitely influenced by this type of music or that type of music you know it's like a an a mix of everything what uh who would be some of your biggest influences i i was uh i was thinking about that on the ride right up here even like it's right now i listen to mainly hip-hop in my really time, that's yeah i mean i'm 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 listening to, to christian hip-hop like 24 7 so um at the same time i love i love billy joe shaver uh, I'm, I'm a big songwriter guy a uh, big pearl jam fan um i love rem u2 as far as like rock bands go stuff like that uh we listen to bluegrass when we work in the shop um kind of like you said i mean we're just we're just an amalgamation of uh of styles and also as you alluded to we really do come together well i mean we, we've been together a long time uh we've been we've been friends for for a long time and that constant grinding on each other and and tugging everything and massaging everything into the uh you know the right fit yeah i mean one of the one of the songs on the album uh otis threw down straight up Motown uh, baseline and was like, yes, that's exactly what we needed on that. Didn't realize it. But uh, so, yeah, I mean, it, we're, we're music heads. We all grew up listening to listening to music. I mean, we uh, I think we've been influenced by everything from gospel to Danzig to anti-flag all the way back to Ronnie Millsap. Mm, yeah. 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 We, um, I'm sure you definitely, you know, hear a wide variety of influence in our tunes. Um, yeah, I mean, growing up like in the 90s, you know, our parents were still listening to that like 70s and 80s country and Southern rock and stuff. So we obviously had that influence. And then, you know, uh, Butch mentioned Pearl Jam and, you know, the whole early 90s rock scene was a pretty big influence in most of our younger lives, I would imagine. And then... I mean, yeah, even through like, you know, the angsty punk rock teenage years, you know, so, um, you know, all, all those great classics. But, um, you know, basically, uh, that's why we've really, you know, full on adopted the Americana genre, I guess, at this point, because it really is the best description of what we do. I mean, it's just kind of a overall blend of any kind of American music you could probably think of. Yeah, it's a. Uh... It's a great umbrella term, really. I yeah. noticed you can throw everything Seems underneath it and call it Americana. We we kind of shied away from it for a long time as a band. I feel like because we felt like so many people used it as a catch-all. I mean, we we considered ourselves a country band forever, but we always fell into that you know two rock for country, two country for rock <laughs> we, thing. I guess we were also young and angsty, like you That's said, true. and like so for a while, like I didn't want to be John Denver, but I'll take being John Denver, you know, <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> how do you, since you you've been a band for a good while, how do you compare 
being a band nowadays as your current age i'm not calling you old now you're obviously still pretty young but at your current age compared to like being in your teens and forming bands back then with your friends how do you compare it what's it like kind of balancing your personal life with being in a band nowadays personal life you know we all got wives and kids now so it's definitely a little different to you know prioritize um definitely not so much on my end anyway not so much partying and boozing and you know the late nights like that kind of stuff and you know it's on the wayside Mm. um so yeah for sure i mean as as kids you know we'd all just pile into a pickup truck and you know hit the road for 10 days and we didn't care where we slept or you know, if we ate or anything like that, but, um, you know, that's not really, uh, you know, once you get into the family life, it's, that's not really an option anymore, you know? So we're all, we still obviously really love to get out on the road and play. Um, but yeah, it's, we enjoy it in a different way now, I I guess is how I'd put it. Yeah. And the the time we do get to spend together is, uh, I mean, you can all tell that in our time apart, everybody's, everybody's getting better with their instruments, with their songwriting. Um, everybody's growing as an artist. Uh, that was going to be an, another word that I didn't mean to go so fancy there. An artist. like a <laughs> Theo Vaughn <laughs> style there. But, uh, you know, everybody's growing. Everybody's maturing as, as people and as artists. Um, and so whenever we do get to come together, uh, get to share some laughs, get to, you know, catch up uh, on the personal stuff. But the, the music, it, it's grown as well uh and it's grown exponentially uh the music's probably grown up a little more than i have honestly and uh we're we're all enjoying it we're enjoying the journey and uh, can't wait to see where it goes you know yeah yeah it's um it's great to see that you can keep the band going because i know of a couple of bands in ireland that when they were in their early mid-20s it looked like they were going to make it and then you know they met people they settled down got married had kids and eventually it just withered away the band doesn't exist anymore you know and they're working the nine to five so it's actually great that you're that dedicated that you can keep the band going i this this band i'm gonna get misty this, <laughs> uh, i mean this band was built on friendship you know and uh that's even that's one of the themes of the record uh so i, I really think that's that's the key ingredient to to keeping the band going um, and we've seen bands last for decades with members that weren't friends that couldn't stand each other. Mm. But I'll tell you, as, uh, as far as as far as this band, um, we're all dedicated to music. We really are, um, in a sense. I I know we're all dedicated to our families more. Uh, we're dedicated to our friendship, and honestly, it doesn't really matter where that lies uh, in comparison to our dedication to the music, because the music is what comes from the dedication to our friendship if that makes any sense so it's just it all kind of ties hand in hand you know yeah yeah and our families get it too i mean this is and music's been part of my family for generations and i mean my kids got guitars to play with they got drums to beat around at the house like it's it's ingrained in all of us we've all been doing music our whole lives and it's not going to stop you know we might have to take a little different route to get where we want it to go but you know, we still, our families get it too, that this is something that means a lot to us. It's what we work on and we work and then we do this. Yeah. So you're going to, safe to say, you're going to be like the Rolling Stones. You're going to still be, you know, playing and touring when you're in your late seventies. If everything works out, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. 
It'd be I'll great try to, to I'll try to eat here. right until that point, you know. Well, try enough, try yeah. to stick around that long. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it'd definitely be something to see anyway. <laughs> the songwriting aspect then, who is there one of you that takes control of that or do you all have an input or how do you approach the songwriting? Yeah, um, I mean, I guess for for the most part, uh, Butch and I write most everything um, to this point. Um, you know, we try to we try to get together as much as we can. Um, you know, we love to have as much input as we can during the writing process from other members. Um, you know, it does make things easier, especially when you have like drums and you're writing to a beat and such hmm. stuff like that. But um, yeah, I mean, so far throughout our tenure, I guess. Uh, Butch and I have written most everything. He probably, uh, I'd say he's probably, uh, I don't know, somewhere on a 75 to 25 split. It's kind of weird. Like sometimes he'll write something. Sometimes I'll write something. Sometimes we'll get together and write something. Sometimes one of us will write half of something and give it to the other person. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, obviously, other than uh, East Coast Railway is really the only song we've ever uh, recorded and released that one of us didn't write and that's uh weston's tune mm. yeah i'm trying to pay them crazy cover fees <laughs> yeah fair enough public domain is that where you're going yeah with this? yeah that's what yeah exactly. ah, i was going working on the railroad i had that one going all right yeah we're gonna we're gonna slay some like 40s blues records in 20 years <laughs> <laughs> Oh, uh, you could go back to the 20s now, though, and start going through right? music from there, you know? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a few that we, there's a few we could pull out of there. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure there's some of them that sound great, updated. Yeah, I think that uh, that's definitely, I mean, that's a side topic, but that's actually something that's going to be kind of interesting that I've always thought about. Um, You know, we're getting to that point where over like the next 20 years or so, um, artists are just going to have like free reign of some like, pretty awesome songs it's going to be interesting to see what people decide to do with that sort of stuff yeah yeah, yeah. as long as they're not ruined you know i'd hate to see like yeah a, i mean i'm sure that's going to happen too <laughs> more than likely more than likely like i'd hate to see like some sort of trans version of johnny cash or something you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's probably already out there honestly more than likely johnny cash probably would have dug some trance johnny cash back in the day <laughs> probably yeah <laughs> <laughs> i could imagine him in the middle of a rave now not knowing where he was and just you know shirt off bouncing Is around it? the place <laughs> It's it's best that some of us are dropped into certain generations, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the um, back to the the songwriting. Then is it the lyrics first, or do you come up with the melody? Do you try to tell a personal story with each song, or is it do you write from a, a character? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Not giving away the secret. Not going <laughs> to give away the secret. That's um, fair. That's fair. <laughs> no. <laughs> It really though it's uh I mean for myself personally, I'm always telling people I'm really a syllabic with my writing. And I think even more so now, probably listening to the so much hip hop. Yeah. Um I kind of hear I tend to hear a melody or a hook and then kind of see how many syllables 
needs to be in that hook and then dig into the lexicon to cover or convey the message that I'm trying to convey within that amount of syllables there I, I gave you the secret you got it for free <laughs> now i can edit that out so no one else hears it if you want <laughs> <laughs> Man, put it on youtube we'll monetize it <laughs> we'll all be rich by next year all right, all right. <laughs> there we go what about you Otis? is it a, a similar thing yeah no i mean it uh Honestly, it's always it's always kind of different. Um, I guess mainly I probably write from more of like a folk perspective. You know, it's more about like just finding those stories that I find like interesting to tell. Um, and, you know, sometimes uh, the melody comes first. Um, sometimes it's the lyric and then I work it around a melody, you know, just kind of depends. Um, and then a lot of times even like, you know, like I said, within a song, within our stuff, um, I mean, really, it, probably at least half of our songs is, you know, some sort of a collaboration between Butch and I. Like, um, you know, sometimes I'll just pass him some lyrics and be like, hey, I wrote this down. Is you know, hmm. a couple of minutes later, he's like, oh, yeah, here's your hook, blah, blah, blah. We got a song. We're good to go. You know, it's just uh, it's it's an interesting dynamic that we've all, always had. It's I like it's kind of cool how, you know, some of our songs are like, you know, very solitarily written and then others are like very collaborative. Um, but it's all, you know, it's all six time losers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that we can get to, you can lay stuff down as just, Hey, I got this guitar part and you can record it on your phone, send it over. Sorry. And it's just, I don't know. You can bounce it off people real quick where you couldn't do that in the past. So I mean, that's half of the, half of the harmonies and stuff were kind of just done as we were listening to stuff going down the road, listening to the rough takes. And it's like, Oh, you know what? This needs to be here. This fits there. Swap this around, spice it up a little bit. Mm. That's true too. Cause like, and the ability to constantly, uh, songwriting is easier now with technology in, in all kinds of ways. It's just, uh, yeah, for sure. Cause I'm always looking for approval. Always, always looking for approval. Um, uh, constantly back and uh, passing text back and forth, messages back and forth, audio files back and forth. Hey, what do you think about this? What do you think about this? Um, I mean, three or four songs on this record, the only reason I finished are because I had sent bits and pieces in text or messenger or whatever to buddies of mine and they had listened to it and kind of, all right, well, you have to finish that song now. All right, gotcha, gotcha. Um, so it just not having to actually get together physically and sit down and have the old school songwriting session is, yeah. is really nice these days. Yeah. That must've been actually very handy over the last year and a half to two years with the, the pandemic. How did you approach songwriting and keeping the band going during the pandemic? I'm sure there was no live gigs and stuff like that. We went to work yeah. every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we have, um, yeah, I mean, essentially, since everything, you know, cold stopped here at some point last year, we haven't really played any live gigs. Um, what's cool about that is it really gave us time to, like, really craft this record, you know, do something we've always really wanted to do. Um, you know, we've had releases in the past and, you know, we were happy with them. But as far as just everything from the everything from the writing to the arranging to the recording, you know, production just through the whole process you know we spent 18 months basically making like the record we've really always wanted to make so mm. 
the pandemic definitely yeah i mean it it changed the entire entertainment industry but um you know kind of in some good ways and bad i guess like i said it, it really gave us some time that we never really would have had to uh concentrate on doing everything the way we really wanted to do it i feel like yeah yeah the uh the flip side of that though is do you find there's a lot more competition now that it's the pandemic is kind of over that every band seems to have the time that you know the time you had to really craft what they wanted to and now there's like an influx of new music coming out i don't know i don't think that's really competition yeah fair enough <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean that's definitely um uh there's definitely a lot of people that have had that time to to sit around and work on their craft and um yeah it not necessarily in so much in the competition aspect but it does there's definitely some stuff out there that you kind of have to wade through um you know to make sure you you're putting yourself above that and make sure you're not just like every you know bedroom mm. recording that's come out in the last 18 months <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but that's you know again with what with the work and production value we put into this particular record it's just not there's not really a whole lot that we got you know got to worry about as far as comparison to that yeah yeah this uh this record was actually recorded in a, a pretty special place wasn't it? yeah for sure i mean we we recorded a uh, in several studios um but a lot of the major tracking was done at capricorn um sound studios their historic studio a um making georgia you know all the like famous capricorn artists through the 70s recorded there from the allman brothers to uh, marshall tucker i mean I'm pretty sure uh, i think otis redding recorded there i mean just and charlie daniels fell off the couch and something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah that's true charlie daniels fell off the couch <laughs> <laughs> not while we uh, were there no 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 uh, that's we a shame <laughs> yeah but um yeah they've actually the you know it's it's crazy that the studio itself is really was really untouched um from the time the building was closed and it's just crazy you know they brought in some great gear api built them a custom console um and it's just like they just rolled right in they really didn't have to do much on the studio side um but around that, they've done an amazing renovation of the building. Um, there's like a full-on museum attached to it. Um, so yeah, it's actually a really cool setup they've got there. I mean, by the time you go through the museum and the studio tour and all that, um, I don't know of many other studios with that kind of history where you know the general public kind of gets to just like walk through during the week and get that up close and personal with it. Yeah, it's it's very unique. Anyway, it must have been some feeling to actually. You know, the first day of walking in there, it must have been a real sort of pinch me moment where you're like, I actually can't believe I'm going in here to record track where all these other legendary artists have have recorded such great music, you know. How did it come about that you were recording there? Um, yeah, honestly, it was kind of just a kind of a fluke incident. Um, I've been following the restoration of the studio and I just kind of happened to see a post that they were um you know nearing the point of being open and um they they were getting a lot of good publicity even like you know cbs national morning show did a piece on them and stuff and i mean honestly i just kind of reached out to them like 
on a whim and was like, Hey, we'd love to come record there. And they were like, all right, cool. Let's do it. (laughs) (laughs) And Yeah. It was just, um, you know, obviously once, once we saw that that was like an opportunity that we could go record, um, you know, it's only five hours from us and to get to lay down tracks in such a historic place, you know, we figured it was worth at least reaching out to them. And yeah, I mean, they were honestly like nothing but helpful through the process, you know, got us right in our first session there, I think was like maybe 20 days after they opened or something like that. So, I mean, yeah, we were still like kind of working through some kinks and such, you know, actually, uh, um, they had Blackberry smoke in like the next day and they recorded um, like a three song live EP. Um, so yeah, I think we were just like, uh, probably helped us get in. They needed a full band test market. So like, Oh, we'll use these guys. It'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> but Hey, I mean, we took our chance to get in the door and um, I think once we got in there, you know, we made it clear that, you know, it was a place that, we uh we belong to a place we you know i guess mm. deserve to be so to speak or whatnot um yeah we weren't out of our league by any means um but yeah definitely an incredible experience to walk in there for the first time for sure and just you know see like i said it was really like well, going back in time it's like really like you just walked into the 70s when you went in there <laughs> i got to play uh i got to play chuckle bell's piano right well, oh, yeah, Chuck was the only person who had played it at that point. The um, the piano track that you hear on Iron on Iron on the record, um, that piano had just been brought in like a week or two before. And the only other person who had recorded anything on it was uh, Chuck Lavelle, you know, Rolling Stones, oh, Chuck Lavelle. So, yeah, Butch was the second person to record on that right after him. So that was a definitely a pretty cool, I mean... Definitely a, a fun story to get to add to the album. Yeah. Just the yeah. vibes, the vibes, like you mentioned, they're just, they're all over the place, man. You could, uh, one thing that, I mean, honestly, the main thing that uh, played into my part of the decision to, yeah, let's go ahead and go up there. Um, once Otis had let me know that he had reached out and it was available, um, Weston was Weston was a huge Allman Brothers fan. Uh, personally, not the biggest not the biggest Allman <laughs> Brothers fan. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I've given you my secret, and I've said I'm not the biggest Allman Brothers fan. Now, um, <laughs> I would always mess with Weston about that, and uh, it, just the energy all around from uh, just between personally, you know, knowing how much you'd enjoy it, uh, feeling him there at the mm. same time uh as as we're laying down his track um it was a really special experience and uh i know our 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 mix and master engineer he uh i think he rode around listening to the drum tracks in his car just drums just just drums just for fun <laughs> for a couple weeks oh, uh, so good it's hard not to because of how good the uh the tracks came out there's just it was it was a beautiful place um as Otis alluded to just the the history and kind of the un the untouched unkept not unkept the the fully kept mm. uh, nature of walking back in time like, like you said uh i mean everything was everything was those those reds and oranges and browns like you can imagine and yeah. uh, all the all the familiar smells of uh of the the tape machines and all that old equipment you know uh the story behind everyone 
uh, I got to play, I got to play some, some awesome, uh, instruments, uh, mess around on the roads and, uh, I think they had the ham in there uh, for us, you know, stuff like that. Just things that I don't get to take her around with all the time. So all yeah. in all, it's, it's an experience. Yeah. We'll definitely always cherish. What about you, Lester? How did you, uh, feel about it? I was happy for them that they got to go take care of us. I worked. I say, you guys do your thing. I mean, it was, you know, really just drum and rhythm and bass. Like I don't mm. do a ton with writing. I'm more on the melody and, you know, making the hooks fit and, you know, I guess spice it up as you'd say, but you know, this is one of the deals where it's like, like you said, you know, we said, Hey, can we get in? And they said, yes. Yeah. So we're just like, all right, you guys go handle this and mm. you know, we'll start there and we'll, we'll move forward when we get back but um yeah no they did that i stayed kept things moving on the on the work front and you know yeah less lester's more of the uh the polish uh to the recording process you know we we kind of went in and did the work and got the rhythm tracks done and then you know he gets to listen through all that and figure out where to put in you know all the mm. fun bendy mm. guitar parts that we can't play and uh, <laughs> all, the, all the cool vocal harmonies and stuff he does so you know a lot of uh a lot of it you know he's just listening to that bass that that we give him kind of a you know a baseline recording and you know he he brings some of the fun from there mm. yeah yeah i have to ask though about the the piano how long was it before you washed your hands after touching that? Was it like, I'm never washing my hands. I've just played this piano. I, um, I actually, to this day, don't use silverware since that day. Nice. Um, haven't washed them and still only eat with my hands. Right. right. <laughs> oh, there's, um, there's another song on the, on the album with a very special meaning, isn't there? It's, uh, about the Groveland Four. Now I'll be honest. Over in Ireland, I had never heard of it. I had to. I had to actually Google it and look it up. It's well. It's not a. It's not something they're shouting from the rooftops. I mean, I grew up yeah. about thirty miles away, and it actually involves a great uncle of mine. Uh, and I never heard about it uh, until Otis brought me the uh, the story. Oh man. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of part of that song is that, um, you know, in the last couple of years, it's been national news in the U.S. with um, the pardons and such. Um, but us all growing up here locally, like what we knew about that story is that you didn't talk about that story, basically. You know? oh, really? Yeah. Um, so like, you know, but recently it's been the, you know, the subject of a Pulitzer Prize winning novel. Um, there's a, a film about it. There's a PBS documentary. Um, so, you know, we just like being something that is so local to us. And, um, you know, as Butch was saying, like he found out that a, a family member is actually like closely related to the trial was a, a star witness for Thurgood Marshall. I mean, to like live your whole life with, you know, with somebody so close to you so involved in such a huge like national um case and like yeah. to just for none you know to not know about that it's just like it was definitely definitely you know something we wanted to just bring light to like from a local perspective essentially yeah yeah for any of the listeners i've uh 
I have a lot of listeners now in Ireland as well as America, but for any of the, the listeners that haven't heard it, would you like to just give them a, a quick sort of what it's about or what the Groveland we tried to tiptoe. We tried to tiptoe. He's coming with the hard stuff, Otis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, um, so I mean, one thing I'll say is like from the from the songwriting aspect of it, if you listen carefully to the lyrics, you know, we didn't try to um project any uh any personal bias onto the the story we just um you know we kind of laid out the facts we laid mm-hmm. out what is what um and uh but yeah basically uh, this story goes back to the 40s um and it was really one of the first like you know kind of um mass like even race riots is what it kind of evolved into um uh, and, you know, you hear a lot of the a lot of the things, you know, stories from the 50s and 60s. And this was kind of like before that, like something that just isn't um, isn't really known. But essentially um, some. I mean, it's it, it goes it goes through a lot of detail, but some the Groveland four were four black men who were essentially wrongly accused of um, raping a local woman who, you know, had had a spat with her fiance or husband of, at the time. I think they were married at that time. Um, but yeah, the, the details of the case, I mean, you can read all the redacted FBI files and stuff. And it's just, it's so crazy, like how loosely connected these four men were. Like two of them were known to have been at, you know, the scene of an incident that involved these two people that night. Um, you know, what happened between those four, I don't think anybody is ever really going to know. But um, two of the other people, um, one was already in police custody when the supposed incident happened. <laughs> um, he was just arrested in town for having a gun on him in the train station and nobody knowing who he was, you know. Yeah. Um, so we know he didn't have anything to do with it. Um, a second guy had actually already skipped town because uh, his gambling racket had kind of blown up and some people wanted him dead anyways. Um, so we know he didn't have anything to do with it. So, you know, you gotta, at that point, you gotta start asking a lot of questions about the whole story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a crazy story. And was it one or two of them were killed while in police custody? Was it one yes. of them, I think? Yeah. So one, two of them were shot while in police custody. Um, so two of them were killed by police, um, though the gentleman who had fled the town, like essentially the day before this event took place, he was tracked down by um, basically like the sheriff and the posse of his friends, like over a hundred men, you know, they found him out in the woods and just killed him right there. No, uh, you know, no trial or anything. And then, yeah, the two of the guys who were being transported by the sheriff um, himself, uh, Willis McCall, who's a sheriff here in Lake County for, a very long time um you know he uh basically all the facts point to the the fact that he you know staged a flat tire on the side of the road and took him out in the grove and shot them both um unfortunately for him one of them survived and you know was then able to testify against him um, not that that did anything to get him in any legal trouble or even not be the sheriff for 30 more years are you know? serious oh man so after all that, he was he South, stayed yeah. being the sheriff, like 
that's crazy. that's how you can grow up 30 miles away and never hear about it <laughs> yeah, we went to high school in groveland so me and otis did yeah and yeah since... lester and i both went to high school in groveland you know it's that's our hometown and it's you know just something that like i said all we knew about that story was that you know you didn't talk about that story essentially oh my god I'm I'm sitting here thinking like it's crazy to think that something like that only happened like 60 or 70 years ago. But for you guys, not only did it happen 60 or 70 years ago, but it happened in your hometown. That's that must be really it must really mess with your head. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one nice thing about it, I guess you could say, is that, um, you know, not that everybody doesn't have a long way that they could still go to better themselves. But, you know, you look at what we have around here now and I mean, I'm sure glad I don't live here in 1940. (laughs) We've, we've come a long way in in South Lake County from, from where we were at that point um, societally for sure. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, there's actually a lot of, uh, a lot of music that seems to be inspired by stories similar to that like one that instantly popped into my head was the hurricane by bob dylan about the the boxer and there's a couple of other ones now that i can't think of the name of but um it seems to really inspire great songs and if you reverse it as well great songs are great for telling the story and bringing you know bringing attention to those issues like even now there's i didn't know about the Groveland Four before meeting you guys, and you know my listeners are probably going to be the same. So, they're uh, that's bringing more attention to that as well. It's crazy out there, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Yeah, I mean that's definitely you know that's something we wanted to do. Like I said, just draw attention to it from a really local perspective. You know, um, mm. it's just definitely you know it. Like I said, it's it's been national news the last couple of years, but um, you know, to essentially tell like you know, tell it from some kids that grew up here, and you know, it was always so hush hush. But you know, we eventually yeah. wanted to, you know, like I said, just I guess continue to bring attention to the fact that you know there's some crazy stuff that happened out there, and make sure that you know they say you know we don't want to. We don't want to repeat that sort of stuff. So, those who uh, those who those who forget the past are doomed to repeat it. Yeah, there you go. I think that's what uh, that's what they had written over uh, Jonestown, mm. over the entranceway. Yeah, yeah. We'll move on to the the last couple of questions. I I always ask every guest these. If uh, if you could see any performer from history in concert for one night only. Who would it be? King David. Right. <laughs> mm, let's see. Oh, man. Uh, I mean, honestly, um, I, I, my ultimate bucket list performance, I, I really hope I still get to see this. Uh, it's it's Loretta Lynn for me. Really? Yeah. I mean, that's she's she's the tops for me when it comes to, to performers of, um, you know, just absolute historic proportion. Um, unfortunately, she's she's come to the area several times, you know, throughout my life. Unfortunately, being a musician and also an audio engineer, like there's always have been working those weekends. It's never been something I can get to. But you know, she's she's still doing some limited performances here and there. It's something I really hope I get to see. Yeah, it'd be uh, it'd be definitely a 
a brilliant experience now to see her. She'd uh, she'd be definitely. I can see why she'd be on your bucket list. You got a thing for Loretta Lynn? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> Oh, come on. We all know this. <laughs> this isn't news. <laughs> Who do you want to see? Uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan, probably number one. It was a big influence on my guitar back when. Uh, I, I never really had any formal lessons, so it's just, you know, kind of heard something. and was like, oh, this sounds pretty cool. and learn how to figure that out. Hmm. But it was, he did a lot. And uh, I don't know. It was just. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, there's not anybody else like it. So it's, you know, him or someone like Hendrix, just that's, you know, they take something that seems very basic and then just go way out in left field and then bring yeah. it back to where it started. And so, yeah, how did you even do that? <laughs> um, but no, it's just, it's to see things from a different perspective. It got me to really think outside the box as far as playing goes and what I, you know, what I could do versus what was traditional versus what was already there. And it's like, hey, you're supposed to do this, 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 and this. And, you know, here's why you don't have to. Yeah. Yeah, great, uh, great choices there, or great picks. The next one, if if you could be locked in a room with any performer for history for twenty four hours, who would you pick? They got to they got to smell nice. <laughs> at, at risk of possibly uh, taking Butch's pick, I don't know. I'm I'm probably going to go Graham Parsons. I feel like that would be a. It'd be a really interesting 24 hours. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, <laughs> I mean no, I'd, I'm want not gonna full ex- I'd want the full experience, you know, I'd go all in like, you know, That'd 24 hours. 17 hours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> um, You know what? You know what? I don't care if he stinks. Let's go Willie. I'll really? hang out with Willie for 24 hours. That's not a bad pick. No, yeah. not at all. That I mean, actually and be really relaxed. For strictly, for, yeah, for strictly artistic reasons. Mm. Yeah. Right, right. <laughs> Maybe some hair tips. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, yeah. I don't have a great answer, honestly. <laughs> um, I said just strictly from a from an artistic standpoint, it would probably be um, Zach Wild. He's big influence. I'm a big fan. Um, and like I said, just the our music choices come from all different directions i mean it's everything from that to to slayer to willie nelson like you know so um, you, you guys would probably just jam and then like eat some red meat and then you know talk a little bit about some tough stuff and then jam a little more and go to bed yeah that sounds some, good probably do some push-ups maybe right. <laughs> <laughs> well, it all sounds like a fun 24 hours anyway right <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't pick Loretta Lindo for the 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> Our wives are watching, man. Uh, I see, I see. <laughs> and uh, the final one then, it might be a tough one as well. If there was a soundtrack to your life, what song would appear on it? I know this is kind of one that you need to go off and probably ponder for a while, but it's a tough one to just spring on you. With the soundtrack to my life. Hmm. I could probably email you a playlist in like 30 minutes. It'd probably be something <laughs> by my mine would probably be something by NF, I would have to say. I don't know okay. if you're familiar. I can't say I am now, to be honest. He's a he's a rapper. Uh Nate Forrest, I believe is his name, but uh 
Yeah, I, I would say probably something by NF. Okay. Immediate thought, Leonard Skinner would call me the breeze. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't know how realistic it is, seeing as I'm like pretty much every time I leave the house, I just can't wait to get back home and, you know, mm. no pants it for a while. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's, I don't know, it's hard to change it whenever that song comes on. Mm. Yeah. I actually did. I actually did say in a Facebook post one time that everyone's life would improve if they would constantly uh, have the baseline to staying alive in their head. Um, so I think I'm changing my answer. I'm going staying alive. All right. Otis. <laughs> Man, I don't know. I feel like I'd uh, it'd have to be something pretty chill if it was going to be like following me around all the time. Um, <laughs> uh, man, I don't know. I'd, I'd probably... I'd probably pick a Dylan tune, honestly. Probably, uh, I don't know. he's not Maybe the like greatest songs. singer. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, I can I can deal with that. You know, I don't know. I'd probably go with like "Blowing in the Wind" or something like that. You know, it's a nice chill uh, background track. I feel like, yeah, still with a lot of meaning though. Yeah, true, true. Again, more great picks. Um, before I leave you go, is there any message that you'd like to leave the listeners with? Um, I guess the main thing is, um, you know, just uh, check out our record, Only First Names Die. Um, it'll be available pretty much anywhere music's available digitally. It'll be out on uh, November 12th. Um, in the meantime, you know, you can check out uh, all of our website, sixtimelosers.com, Facebook, all that stuff. Um, we've dropped a couple of singles, a couple of videos. You can get some, get a taste of what's coming your way in a few weeks. Brilliant. Butch, Lester, any final thoughts? Nah, man. It's been fun. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. No yeah, problem. what he said, you know, love you guys. You guys love yourself, man. Be good. Well, thanks a million for, for coming on us. Genuinely was a blast. I really enjoyed awesome. it. Likewise. Your flag is flowing. I guess we're done.
Yeah, we talked about our mamas About growing up poor And prayer meets On Wednesday nights Well, I told all my stories Oh, the webs that I spun Well, I guess she Believed on my lies Yeah, I told her That I never Met no one like her Even though I'd said that before We danced all night To the faded Hey guys, I really hope you enjoyed this show. If you did, rate and review us on iTunes. Really helps the show grow. You can find us on social media at Concerts That Made Us Podcast. And be sure to check out our website at www.concertsthatmadeus.com. And if you'd like to support the show, you can do so by signing up at patreon.com forward slash concerts that made us. We've got three tiers available. If that's something you're interested in, you'll get access to a private Discord, exclusive uncut video versions of the podcast, early access to ad-free versions of the episodes, and much, much more. So, until next time, keep rocking. Hey, hey, what are you guys still doing there? The show is over. It's over. You can go home. Go on. We'll see you next time. We'll be here. Bye.